welcome to Nothing But Fantasy. My name is Phil Nations. I'm the co-host. She's Andrea Lamont, and she's the other co-host. What's happening, dude? Um, not much, dude. What's happening with you? Nothing. Just waiting uh, for the blizzard. Yeah, waiting for blizzards. Yeah, we haven't had any snow hardly at all this winter. I've been very lucky. Last year, I was on Long Island, and I didn't get any snow except for one day. I felt mm-hmm. very lucky, and I hope I can continue to be this lucky because I don't like snow, really. Well, my friend, where I grew up in California, a friend of mine that went to high school with me, she put on Facebook yesterday that she turned her air conditioner on for the first time, and I I was just thinking, man, that's just, Wow. I wish I was turning on my air conditioner. I say that now until it gets 90 degrees, and then I'm like, this stinks. Well, yeah, because it's 90 degrees there is like 120 elsewhere. Because it's humid, you know? I know. When I lived on, I lived on Corfu Island for 12 years, and it was humid all year round. I mean, you if you weren't careful, you get mold on your walls. You had to clean them all the time, and it was terrible. Ugh. Oh, it was, yeah. oh, yeah, it was terrible there. It, really humid. It's hard to even dry your clothes. A lot of these people there don't have clothes dryers, and they hang in the clothes outside. Sometimes they'd be sitting out there for two days. Forget it. Lenny said, do you want to move to Florida? I said, hell no. It's way too humid there. Way too humid. Where would you go, though, if you could? To Little Queens, where all his friends are, because everybody from Long Island goes to Queens to retire. I mean, uh, Florida to retire. Oh, right, yeah. um, You know. But it's uh, humid down there, though. Where where would oh. you want to go? If you could go anywhere you wanted, where would you go to live? I would probably live in either the Northwest or in Phoenix. Phoenix is nice. It's a desert. It's nice. Uh, Vegas, I spent many a year there. I it's like the weather. It's not too hot because it doesn't get humid. It's dry. So do ovens. It gets hot. I mean, we didn't uh, work at all during the summer there. We I used to come east, but... Uh, I remember going back to Vegas, I guess it was in September or late August, and I went to my buddy's tennis club. He was just getting ready to open up for the uh, fall season, and it was hot outside, so we snuck back to the casino's kitchen, the hotel kitchen, grabbed a couple eggs and tried to uh, fry them on the court. They Did it didn't, work? No, it didn't fry, but they, they formed, and I thought, wow, that's pretty hot. Yeah, I'd I'm glad say. I'm not working today. <laughs> Okay, yeah. Hot and speaking of hot fantasy baseball, people are really fired up. I have my draft on Saturday, so Yeah. I haven't prepared at all because I prepare all year for it, I suppose. Well, that's why you come to lennymelnickfantasysports.com and you get some help. There you go. That's where you come to. Fantasy yeah. lennymelnickfantasysports.com. <laughs> I'm advertising. Look at me. <laughs> well, you should. I mean, it's a lot of I work know. you guys do over there. I know. I'm just not that good at advertising, so There's a lot of podcasts including this one featured up there. We're also on Max Sports channels. There's a lot of stuff up there as well. Um, iTunes and Stitcher we're on. and we're oh, also, we are? Yeah, I think so. And then we're also on Google Play and TuneIn. Well, and, we would be there only if you put us there. Then I probably did. <laughs> Generally Good. speaking, I do that. So I think we're there. And if not, Good. I'll work on it this week during the blizzard. Okay, well, that's good. So, you, I mean... So your draft is coming up. Let's get let's get this thing going. Yes. David of... Price. Where do you draft yeah. David Price? People are talking about David Price. Now, for me, I don't draft him 
because he's a headache. I'm not. I worry about these kind of injuries, and I don't want to deal with that. I mean, the guy's pitched what? He's had 32 starts, average 32 starts since 2009. I think I give him right. a pass. What do you do with David Price? Well, so he's averaged 32 starts a season since 09. So that's like seven years of 32 starts a season. And so what do you think of that? I, I don't. Does that make him like a reliable or does it make him? You, then you said pass right after that. So I'm, I guess I'm kind of confused as to what you mean by. Well, I give him a pass as far as bye bye. Now, he was my ace two years ago and uh, I had a great time. Even DFS, I always played him. Always. For years, I always played him. But this year, I'm going to leave him alone because this injury thing is kind of troubling. And I don't like to worry about my players. I'm busy in the summer, and I don't want to worry about injuries like that. I don't want to take any unnecessary risks, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, you know, not being doctors and stuff, it's kind of like you got to make your own call on what you think of David Price. But I will say that I drafted him not long after he got his um, second opinion saying that he just has a basically is uh, not going to need Tommy John surgery. It's in the muscle, not or not the ligament. And I drafted him in a league in the seventh round. And so for me, it was like, okay, it's a dynasty league, number one. I don't know if that makes a big difference. I don't know if it should make a difference to you know drafting him earlier or not because he's not young obviously if he's been pitching that many innings for the past seven years but uh I'm pretty I feel pretty good about his injury uh he was out tossing the other day 25 pitches he threw that's ahead of schedule but there still is no timetable for him to come back it's kind of scary it's definitely a risk but you have to like weigh your risk with your reward and in the seventh round um we're talking I don't know. Pick, pick what? Oh, between depending on how big your league is, anywhere like from eighty, eighty-five yeah, or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So if you pick, if if you can get, and uh, the NFBC ADP. So this is the average draft position for the NFBC, which is like a, you know, really the best. Um, sample that we we use at, over at Lenny Melnick Fantasy Sports we use this that shows the average where he's being drafted it shows the right. minimum he's been been drafted and then the max so this guy is being drafted anywhere from 30th to 112th I mean that is like the biggest <laughs> standard deviation I've ever seen in my life but you know if I could see what he's been drafted in the past since his injury right I, I'm sure that it's much higher than before the injury. So unfortunately, we can't really, you know, differentiate between what he's being drafted now and what he was before the injury. Although I would say at round seven, if he's still sitting there, I obviously I would say to take him because uh, it looks like the fact that he's throwing already, that's positive. I don't know that he's going to make the beginning of the season. In fact, he might he might miss a month of the season. But what he's going to do if he comes back healthy between after missing one month is going to be pretty solid if he's healthy. Okay. So if is the big question, although I, I mean, for me, it's like you got not all injuries are the same. You know, when you're dealing with the pitcher, you don't definitely don't want shoulder or elbow problems, but according to the doctors, this is not something that's, I mean, look at Tanaka, right? Tanaka is a pitch away from Tommy John surgery, right? He, he could blow up at any moment because he chose not to, do that he chose to 
to heal on his own, which is scary because, and he's a total anomaly. This like this is, does not happen normally, you know. Uh, the fact that he never got it fixed. To me, that's scary. I won't draft him, even though his numbers say completely otherwise. This is some decision that you have to make personally, you know? Well, I took, <clears throat> excuse me, I took Tanaka last year, and he did well. You know, Tanaka is a different animal. He's been one pitch away from Tommy John for a couple seasons now. And, yeah, yeah, totally. Looks, yeah, he's he's a good one. I, I like him. I, I don't know about Price, though. I, I know that they both have a lot of wear and tear on their arms, so I don't know. Where would I, where would you, know, you draft Price? Like, what round would he have to fall to, to? Or you just wouldn't because you don't like the you don't want to have to worry about him. I'm not going to do it. Um, at ESPN, he's going. His ADP is thirty eight point two, so that's right. like the well, late second, early third, or middle third round somewhere in there, depending on how big your league is. Well, you have to realize that a lot of this ADP is coming from before his injury, so it would be interesting to see where he's drafted like the past week. Well, on my team, he wouldn't be. And, and that's right. something that's kind of weird because I usually try to draft him. That's my dude. You know, he's well, owing me you, money. You and know, stuff. if your dude is sitting there in the seventh round, you might want to take a chance on him. No, in this league that I'm drafting in, it, pitchers, if you have pitchers, you have the hammer. And I'm going to be drafting all my pitchers in the first six rounds. Really? I'm going to draft nothing but pitchers. <laughs> well, this year. what? I hope you get some hitting. Oh, I will because I'll use the waiver wire. I'm good at that. And the thing is, in this league, it's 10 teams, and these guys, it's... Oh, jeez. It's a 10-team league, just friends of mine, and it's uh, they're very competitive, and they add and drop players like crazy in that league. Like okay. crazy. And it's a one. It, it's a week-long deal where you put your player in on Sunday, and that's it. And I like it that way, or Monday, where before the first game of the day starts. And it's pitching heavy. So what you have to do is have the whip. And I'm going to have the whip. You know, it matters what kind of league you are, how many teams are in your league, how easy it is to pick up players. If it's a mixed league or an only league, those all, those things all need to be considered in your in your decisions as to whether or not to draft David Price. If you have an injury spot, like if you don't have any injury spots on your roster, you don't want to start the season with an injured guy active. No. You know, I mean, there's a there's a good, good chance that he doesn't start the season healthy. So if you don't have any spot for an injured guy, then bam, David Price is probably not for you. He's not for me. No, I don't have any room for that. I, I honestly don't. And even if I did have a DL spot, I'd probably leave him alone, see what happens. And if he's still on the waiver wire and he's demonstrated that he's worthy of a pickup, then I might do it on a week where he I has two it. starts. But I doubt it because I don't draft guys like that. I, Okay. I like low maintenance dudes. Totally. Well, totally. I mean, look at look at his history. This guy is tough. When he's healthy, he's tough. So oh, absolutely. we've never even seen him injured. I don't even think he's ever been injured. I'm not sure of this, but That's what I don't recall me. him. Yeah. Oh, that scares you. Well, of course it does, because he's been like know. a rock. Thirty-two starts a year, two hundred strikeouts almost every year. That that guy's like a lock. And it so, doesn't matter how bad his team is, he is good. And I would draft him if he wasn't hurt. He'd be my first pick, probably. I mean, athletes get hurt eventually. No matter who you are, you're eventually going to get hurt. So well, you I, have to get rid of him. Then. It's, <laughs> off you go. Off he goes for Thanks you. Thanks for the huh? memories, dude. I trade you to another team. Good luck. Wait till they kick your ass. That's okay. I don't mind. I'll be happy for him. I don't like losing. I don't either, but... Uh, 
I'm not going to be too worried about it because I have this funny feeling we're not going to see him this year. Oh, criminy. I have a bad feeling about well, this. Well, that's what there's people saying that. He's so my he... favorite pitcher, dude. In honest to truth, I, I put. I mean, here I'll tell you a funny story. I was involved with a fantasy daily fantasy site they were building, and uh, I was playing at a site that the developer built, and I played a game. And this site, I don't think he's is even up there anymore. And I always put David Price, always. I, I remember telling Lenny, I got David Price today. I, I remember doing this. Anyhow, uh, they pulled a fast one, and David Price, for some reason, didn't end up on my lineup. In fact, David Price wasn't even going on that lineup in that game. And then all of a sudden, I see somebody's got 46 points, and I'm thinking, wait a second, David Price is now there? And I would never have missed David Price. I mean, that's the first thing I always picked. That's how much I like the guy. And this is how nervous I am about it in this injury because I don't trust it. And I don't trust the uh, doctors. They don't really know. And if he's one pitch away from Tommy John and I draft him in the third round, I'm going to be angry at him. Yeah, I agree. So That's just my own opinion. I, I mean, I'm seriously... a. Fanboy of David. Yeah, I know that you like to throw people on your dead to me list. So I, yeah, he'll never make my dead to me list. He because just, you won't draft him. But if you did draft him and he didn't play for you, you might have to put him there. I would have to put him there, and that would not be easy. I, I'm serious because he, I've won GPPs with him, and he's just fantastic, and he's a good human being too. But when you have these kind of issues, you have to think about it and think about it hard. Now I can see why someone would take him in the seventh round or eighth round. He's He's a second or third round pick normally, at least. Yeah. And and I can understand why people would want to do that. Uh, just that ain't me. Right. Got it. And, and now I'm depressed. Vote no for – well, you, we basically gave the listeners like absolutely no. Well, you say no, I say do if it becomes – I mean, if it gets to the point where, you know, we turned it into a. I turned it into a eulogy. Oh. <laughs> Lovely. Okay. So the David Price on. funeral. Welcome to it. Um, yeah. Oh. So honestly, if you draft him in the seventh or eighth round, I can get. I get it. it. More than likely, he'll probably, like Andrea said, he'll probably pitch through it. He's a tough guy. He'll be all right. I, however, am not going to draft him. And I gave you my reasons. Now you yes. all take what we said and and make up your own mind. That's important, though. Is to make up your own mind about these things, right? Yes, absolutely. Take in all the information that you can and then make a decision on your own based on what you know. That's what GMs do, and that's what you are. As a fantasy baseball general manager, you have the advantage of or more advantages than a real GM in a lot of ways. You've got a lot more helpers in the room with you if you want them. Yeah. All the ex- look at all the experts. There's millions of them out there. Yeah, there's millions of them, but they all say the same thing because they all just copy the other guys. So watch out for that. People think that, you know, people throw in the towel all the time and don't do their homework. And so if you're basing all of your opinions on somebody else, maybe they didn't have a good day that day. Maybe they woke up late. Maybe they just went to Yahoo and typed in a player's name and told you whatever Yahoo said that happens all the time. So, I mean, don't think that just because they're out there giving advice that they're any smarter than you are, you know, we all have the ability. You don't have to know everything about every player, but you do need to look at their numbers and make a decision about when you analyze them and where you think that they should go. It's based on 
the information that you get, but also based on fact, factual stats, where they're hitting in the lineup, if they're on the depth chart at the top, if they have a job, you know, all of those things, they, they should be taken into consideration regardless of what some expert tells you. Exactly. There's a lot of experts out there dialing it in. I don't like oh, that. Please. I'm going to talk about that on my show tomorrow with, with Lenny Melnick, actually. But I hate that. I mean, I really hate that. It's almost insulting to click a link and you go over there and they just basically spout off rubbish. And you know it's rubbish. You know it's rubbish. I know it's rubbish. But the general public doesn't know it's rubbish. Well, Basically, they, I mean, nobody has the answer. If we did, we'd all be in Vegas getting rich. Absolutely. That's the thing, too. You know, uh, somebody got angry with me on my show because I, I don't usually bring on fantasy sports experts. I bring on credentialed sports writers. And they say, why don't you have mm -hmm. a fantasy expert? I say, because I've got guys who are actually in the locker room and know these people. I mean, it's, it's invaluable. Like my friend, one of the shows I host is uh, Beyond the Arc. It's a Memphis Grizzlies show. And mm -hmm. Kevin accidentally tipped something off on the show. He didn't even realize that he had done it. He said, mm -hmm. and a lot of gamblers took that and made a ton of money. He said, don't. I mean, he goes, I don't expect Memphis to win against Washington because of the the uh, presidential election. It's going to drive everybody crazy, and they're just going to say, forget it. And that's yeah, exactly that's what, what happened because he knows them. You see, and he, like he, one time, another one of my guests said, last night I saw a so-and-so player limping out of the locker room, so I'd be careful with him this week. Uh-huh. Those and are that's, great. That's what I mean. The fantasy sport expert doesn't know that. Depends on who they're listening to. I mean, you know, That's there's it. a like the Fantasy Sports Channel has a couple of managers, baseball managers, like uh, Steve. Uh, Steve Phillips. Name? Yeah, Steve Phillips and Jim Bowden. Both Jim of them Bowden's are on there. One of my favorite writers of baseball. He's the reason I subscribe to ESPN. Now, okay, Lenny loves listening to them. They have great information. They understand manager speak. They understand what the manager really means when he says this. You know what what he's getting at. They they. They understand this because they've been there. But, again, they don't know everything either. And nope. and so if they're not right there, they're the closest thing that we have in fantasy to, I mean, besides the beat writers, to actually being in the clubhouse. Read the but, papers. Yeah, the local papers. You can find them all. On the website, we have all the local papers for each team. Lenny goes through them every single day. So, like, if you just scan through the papers for each individual team, you're going to find so much more relevant and good information than just random fantasy sports, you know, expert that never reads the papers and only knows what they talk about on ESPN and, and uh, Yahoo or whatever. Those local papers are what the beat writers do. They're actually traveling with the team and they actually have some insight. And that's where Lenny gets a lot of his information. And it's invaluable, really. It's invaluable information that you're not going to get by reading like, you know, the general uh, newspapers or whatever, the New York Times. I mean, the New York Times. Does that even have a, a sports page? Yeah, it does. But the point is well taken. It's true. And it's not to poo-poo fantasy experts. I'm sure some of them do. But there's a lot of guys out there who just dial it in. And they would tell you the same thing. If they're good fantasy expert like Ray Flowers, I mean, there's plenty of good experts out there. Don't get me wrong. 
and they would tell you the same thing I'm telling you. Take in as much information as you can, relevant information, and make a decision on your own. Don't just follow what I'm saying because I have opinion. I mean, you have to base things on – you have to make an opinion of your own, and then, you know, that's that. But everybody's opinion should be based on all of the information that they have taken in. And, and then you have to make a decision that you can live with. Like yeah. I did. I had to make a tough decision. I'm not going to draft David Price, and this is the first time in a long time. So uh, there you have it. But that's right. Now, Trevor Story. Here's one, too. Yeah. This is interesting to me. You know, he had a great beginning of 2016, a great yeah. two-thirds of 2016, really. Yeah. He's, his ADP at ESPN right now is 417 Mm-hmm. Now, I've seen him taken in the third round in some places. Is that too early for him? Can you get a better value later in the draft? So, no, I mean, where I'm seeing him on the ADP for NFPC uh, is that he is the sixth shortstop taken off the board. He's going right after Francisco Lindor. In fact, there's three shortstops in a row going. It's uh, Lindor... Story and Bogarts. Bogarts, Lindor, Story. I should say them in order. Um, the thing about Trevor Story is that, I mean, to be honest, all of his stats look good. He improved on his strikeout percentage as he went through the season. He only played two-thirds of last season. And he also had a 35% home run to fly ball ratio, which is way too high and probably will regress. Although I, I'm not positive that it will regress because he's in, he's a Colorado hitter. And so if you look at his splits between when he's hitting at home in Colorado and when he's on the road, there's a huge difference there. And so and like, you know, like most batters in Colorado, um, he's batting 313 at home and on the road he bats 235. And we're talking about you know, 176 at bats versus 196 at bats home and away. So, um, you know, 30, 16 of his home runs came at home, 11 on the road. So he still hit home runs on the road, but he still, he couldn't make good contact. Although, like, so his, his huge strikeout percentage at the beginning of the season did start to go down. Like you could see throughout the months in March and April, he was striking out 36 and a half percent of the time. He was crushing the ball. But it was like a Chris Carter type of deal where it was all or nothing for him. And then it went down to 32% in May. In June, it was 27%. In July, it was 28%. And then he got hurt after that. But you could definitely see that he was starting to uh, have a little bit more discipline at the plate as far as what pitches that he decides to take outside of the zone because he was pretty much swinging at at the fences, everything. And that's, you know, a 35% strikeout rate is totally unsustainable. I mean, it's totally, it's unsustainable as far as being successful in baseball. You can't have a 35% strikeout rate. As much as people strike out nowadays, it's still too much, right? So he's walking a little bit more. He's striking out less. He definitely has power. You can see that in his uh, minor league numbers. And I, he's hitting well this spring. So he's one of those players that you might want to, like, spring training does matter for him in in a lot of people's minds because um he he hurt himself last i don't even remember what happened to him i think he hurt his finger or his wrist or something i think yeah so he had surgery to end the season not only do we want to see how his thumb is like you know how he's healed and how well he's making contact with the, the ball but also well that's pretty much it just that just to see how he's hitting and in the spring he's he's pretty much crushing it right i mean let me look up his spring numbers here yeah he's done pretty well you know last year 
He's hit four home runs in 26 plate appearances. 13 shortstops, Andy, hit 20 home runs or more last year. That's pretty That's pretty amazing. Well, that's that's my point. And if okay. you're going to move over with Story, if you're going to take Trevor Story in the third or fourth round, you know, there, there are other hitters out there who... How many of them hit 30 home runs, though? I mean, this guy hit... I guarantee that nobody else hit 30. Well, that's true, but I'm... Yeah, but not many of these guys also had a 30% strikeout rate either. That's true. He had it in the first month of the season, though. Yeah, but That was the first he, month of the season, so... And he was, was a rookie. What was his strikeout rate when it finished, though? 28. It was still high, 28%. Yeah, see, that's but, a lot. And, yeah, that's a lot. So if you're... Um, if you're in an on-base percentage, I believe that you're much better off drafting him. If you're, you know, than in an average, because the bottom, you know, his floor is not so low. Because he is a risky, he's risky, not only because he hits so much better when he's on the road or when he's at home than on the road. He still plays half of his games on the road. If he's only batting two thirty-five on the road, then it's going to hurt. Yes, he had 130 strikeouts and 372 at bats. Yeah, that's a lot. But that's he's a, a rookie. Lot. He was a rookie, so. Okay, so now, what do you think about? Obviously, you like him. Um, I don't really care either way. Who? I'm not going to draft him. I, I'm looking toward the end of the draft at somebody like Marcus Semien, who is available, who will be available at the end of my draft. Javier Baez, who's uh, has triple eligibility. He'll be available. Uh, Freddie Galvis is another one. He'll be available. Didi Gregorius will be available late in the drafts. I'm looking for that. Uh, okay, so I'll start with Marcus Simeon. I mean, if you want to talk about a bad strikeout percentage, well, sure. Uh, he's yeah, not, but I can live with it when he's at the end of my draft and I could in the third round. I can say this. I own Chat Wars, and by the end of the season, I hated him. Like, I. I do see that he, you know, he's tempting for me because he hits for power. And at that point in the draft, it is, uh, it's hard to get power from your shortstop. If you get to the point where Marcus Simeon is being drafted, let me look at the ADP here. It's pretty low. It's uh, it's 223. Right. So. Freddy Galvis is 260. Didi Gregorius is 218. Javier Baez is 161. So Javier Baez, I believe personally that Javier Baez will get plenty of at-bats because I believe that he's about ready to peak. And, you know, so a lot of people are uh, standing away from Javier Baez because he doesn't really have a job. Now, I'm of the belief that if you bat well and you play well, then they'll find you a spot to hit in the lineup. They will find you a position. But look at the team. Look, he's definitely not – I mean, he's not playing – first base he's not playing third base he's not playing all of these positions that he plays which is the entire infield you know he's definitely like a great utility guy but he's and i think he even plays in the outfield but look at their team i mean who who's he going to replace the only feasible replace replacement is for ben zobrist and i believe that even i think even joe madden came out and said that he's going to find bias spots to play he's going to find he's going to rest zobrist and everybody needs a rest sometime this season i mean just cuz you're chris bryant doesn't mean that you don't need a day off here or there so javier bias offers that for the cubbies i love javier bias but it's it's kind of a it's a risk because he's definitely not going to play every single day especially to start the season um he's being drafted way too high for uh, how, just for the 
confidence in you know his job. That's the thing. He doesn't. Well, that's okay. Not a lot of- but he. But you know what? He is going to get those at bats. Remember when uh, Joe Madden managed uh, Logan Forsythe? Forsythe was playing everywhere. So was Obrist. I, he we, likes to do those things. Yeah, and I really am, I'll say it again, of the belief that if you're hitting well, then they're going to find a spot for you. I mean, like Josh Harrison is a good example of this because I would argue with Lenny about drafting Josh Harrison several years ago. It was like, well, this guy hits, and he's going to continue to get his spots to play. And the fact that he's a utility guy and that he and Francona is going to be like, wait, it was not Francona. It was the Pirates that he was on. So it wasn't Francona. Sorry. Um Whoever their, whoever their management is. Clint Hurdle. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. Terry Francona to me. Terry okay. Francona manages every team. <laughs> okay. That's fine. But but the end of the day is I'll take that super sub. If I can get – here's the thing. If I can get 18 bombs and 18 stolen bases for with the 161st pick, I'm going to be a pretty happy guy. It, yeah, of course. So I don't can. care. See, I would take him before I would take Trevor Story. And here's why. Because I, I can opt out and I can get an outfield bat in that third round and not worry so much about Trevor Story and his thumb. So, well, he had his thumb fixed. I mean, you know, his thumb is, is hopefully, okay, you're right about the thumb. The thumb is very important to be able to hit bombs, right? But look, his thumb is fine. He's hit four bombs already and 25 at-bats in spring. I honestly, I don't have a problem with Trevor Story, but I'm not going to draft him. I mean, if I had the choice of the three shortstops that are going right in a row, uh, according to the average draft position, I'm not going to take Story first. I'm And it's going to be Xander Bogarts or it's going to be Lindor. And I know that Lindor doesn't have as flashy of numbers, but he's just solid. He's just well-rounded and he's just solid. You know, I'm I'm risk-averse too, so... Um, Xander Bogarts is on base percentage is 360. He's playing on a team that is going to give him the opportunity to hit, get so many RBIs over a hundred. I mean, that's kind of hard to do it unless you're Carlos Correa. And so, uh, yeah, I wouldn't take Trevor story. The first of those three, I'd probably take him last of those three, but in general, he definitely has a high upside and, and his power is certainly real. Oh, I, I agree with you. But uh, Francisco Lindor, here's something for you. He had 23 games last season with three hits or more. Nobody else had that many. So I I like Lindor. Oh, he's he's a great defensive player, too. He's a real baseball player. He really is. I get the privilege of watching him and wearing my Wahoo jersey and my Wahoo hoodie and my Wahoo hat. Here's the thing about Lindor. I know you love Chief Wahoo, okay? So what about the fact that now they just, the Cleveland Indians now have some power. I mean, they had power before, but they are, with Encarnacion, they're powerful. They are. They're a rocket ship. They're going to take off and, and win, and they're going to go to the World Series this year. They they just might. And Two parades for Cleveland people. Francisco Lindor was able to score uh, 90 runs last year. Without Encarnacion, he's going to have so much. He's going to have more opportunity to score more runs. He's probably going to bust out a, a hundred runs. He probably will get some RBIs more than he did last year, which was only seventy. And Michael Brantley's looking good too, right? I mean, last I heard, Michael Brantley was on his third simulated game in four days. He was hitting, making great contact with the pitches. Played in the outfield a little bit, three innings. Played, you know, had some at bats. 
But the fact that he's even hitting, I mean, we've talked about Michael Brantley on the show before, and, you know, there was a question mark as to whether or not this guy was ever going to be able to pick up a baseball again. I mean, that's how long he's been out. Michael Brantley is not like, I mean, he's not Chris Bryan or anything, but definitely, uh, I mean, has upside. I'm not drafting him, but I do think that it's positive to see uh, Francona mentioned the other day that he had like some bounce in his step and he said, you know, you're feeling froggy today. He said he just knew that he had a great day because he's just happy to be actually like in a uniform and throwing the ball around. So even if it is a simulated game, he's excited about it. And that's, I'm, you know, more power. I'm happy for Cleveland. I think that they are definitely, definitely up there in the running for the World Series again. Well, I think so too. And uh, the thing too with uh, back to the 90 runs, Remember that Mike Napoli hit over 30 bombs, too. That had a oh. lot to do with what there is. So getting an Encarnacion, which is great, is kind of like hopefully yeah. the same thing. Hopefully. But at the end of the day, I would take Lindor over all those other guys at shortstop because I like Lindor. See, that's the other thing. I draft people I like to actually watch play baseball. I don't yeah, want to well, watch the Tampa Bay Rays, no offense to Jason Collette. Um, That's funny, though. The, you know, Bartolo Colon is great fun to watch, but I can't sexy. draft him. I, I might draft oh. him this year. I, drafted I love him, watching I, him play. I pulled him off the waiver wire. One of the few days I had internet up there, um, I pulled him off the waiver wire, and he did a darn good job. He was the ace of the staff for the Mets. Everybody was in love with Jacob deGrom. Me too, obviously, and I lost with him. And they were hungry for Harvey, and they were uh, silly for Syndergaard. And you know what? Big Sexy took care of business and was better than all of them. Yeah, there's another one on the team that's really fun. Well, Javier Baez is a fun guy to watch, too. He's, he's uh, That's to why watch. I might draft him. But I won't get a chance at Lindor. If Lindor is available when I'm thinking about drafting a shortstop, I won't even need internet this summer to win my league. Well, you should be drafting. I mean, you should be ready to draft a shortstop when you see his name up there. Well, you'll be seeing his name up there with that first pick. I hope to not get. Well, that's uh, true. I want the tenth pick so I can draft two aces in a row. <laughs> it's I'm sending a message, league, dude. Yeah, I'm sending a message to my friends. They they listen to the show, and I, I'm going to make sure that they understand. I'm going there. I'm going there to draft to win that league without having to make any moves. Because I might not have, I have internet up there, but not like I do now. I surely don't have time to watch everything that I do now. So it's different. But uh, Trevor's story, do what you want with him. There if you is, draft him in the third or fourth round, I wouldn't take him in the third round, though. I will say that there's some uh, decent shortstops late. Like, for me, if you run out of second base options, you might be in trouble. If you run out of, you're not going to run out of shortstops. I just don't see it. Like, uh, uh, Freddie Galvis is always going hella late. Like, he's not even getting drafted in a lot of leagues. This guy bats too, uh, well, his on-base percentage is horrible. So, if you are an on-base percentage, you probably don't want Galvis. But every single year, he hits double-digit home runs. He gets double-digit stolen bases every single year. So, if you're going to draft a guy that this bare minimum like that, don't bother with uh, Marcus Simeon, you know, like seven rounds earlier. Just go for, you know, somebody later. I'm not necessarily saying to draft Freddie Galvez because I'll probably get a bunch of shit for that. 
But I'm no, just, you won't. This is just but... an example of players that are like not, not getting drafted that can be useful, that can actually be used. Alcides Escobar is not being drafted in a lot of leagues. Like this J.P. Crawford is getting drafted. I don't even know why J.P. Crawford is getting drafted. This guy is in, even if you're in a dynasty league, I don't care. He's done nothing. He's done absolutely <laughs> nothing. I, I'm just blown Name away. Name recognition. That's what it is. Everybody falls in love with a prospect. Why though? Because he doesn't. His numbers in the minor leagues are like the max. He maxes out at five or seven home runs. He maxes out at like five or seven steals. And this well, is they a double the A. Hype. They believe what? the hype. Shit! Where did this hype come from? The hype comes from uh, the media guys and the team. The team puts that out there. The you could draft Danny Espinosa, and you could get yourself some power and speed. You know, you could draft. You could draft as Drupal Cabrera. You might not get any speed, but you're going to get some bombs out of him. Speaking of that, you know, you talk about lots of shortstops. I've been over here looking at this uh, ESPN added dropped, and I know it's early, yeah. but like for example, this is really wild that folks are dropping people already. And it's interesting. Mar- it is. Marcus Semien is currently fifty three percent owned in ESPN leagues. Now, granted, probably people a lot of dropping him or picking th- him up. They're dropping him, right? Yeah, he's he's lost. Uh, Point zero six percent. Okay. So uh, that's not good. I don't know if I would uh, say to drop anybody yet. He's not injured. Maybe they drafted Trevor Story and forgot and drafted him next. I it it only goes to show because if you look at the shortstops on this, I'm, I just pulled up the added drop list that you were talking about at ESPN, and if you look at the side that of the dropped players, it's like a half the size or a third of the size of all the added players all the added shortstops so it just goes to show you i mean jp crawford is being added as much as marcus simeon is being dropped go figure i have no idea what that means i can understand uh why jose peraza is being picked up i can understand why chris owings is being picked up but i do not understand really why anybody would drop marcus simeon to pick up i mean Say like a Tim Anderson or something. Would I don't you drop? Know. Would you drop Semyon for Tim Anderson? I wouldn't. It. I'm not a big fan of Tim Anderson because I don't think his ceiling is very high. But he's stable. Like he gets some home runs and some steals, and he you know tw- he has, he's consistent. He had, he's projected this season to get 27 stolen bases. Mm-hmm. That's so pretty he, good. Yeah. Uh, Marcus Simeon, I don't think steals much. I don't think Marcus. He's more of a power guy. Yeah, right? Marcus. Yeah, but the A's aren't really a, a, a big running team. I don't know. Though. I really don't get why Brad Miller's being dropped. I mean, that's pretty ridiculous. Brad you Miller's get 10 not steals. You get ten steals from Semyon, though. Yeah. Sure, I take twenty-two oh. and ten. Twenty-two bombs, ten steals. But let's look at this overall dropped players and added players. Okay, let me flip this over real quick. Um. Yeah. I can understand why uh, Alex Reyes was dropped. Obviously, he's going to be out all season hurt. I can understand why Sonny Gray is being dropped. Absolutely. I can understand why Chris Carter is being dropped because his his job is very iffy and Greg Bird is being picked up. So that kind of makes sense. Although I wouldn't just, I mean, I wouldn't just assume that Greg Bird is going to play every day at first base for the Yankees because Chris Carter is having a shitty uh, spring. He's good for power, and so when the Yankees feel that they need some home runs, they're going to rely on Chris Carter. There's a reason that they got him, you know. I mean, maybe Greg Bird is the future of the first base, but I don't know. It's 
I wouldn't have either one of them on my team. No, I wouldn't take Greg Bird. Greg Bird, though, is going to uh, hammer that right field porch, though. He's going to hit some home runs. I'm not so sure Carter's going to be that guy like he was last year. You know, it's one thing to be playing on a team that no one's paying attention to. It's another thing when you're playing for the New York Yankees and everyone's paying attention to you, it seems. Well, what do you mean? He's going cr- to he's gonna have a crappy batting average and he's going to hit for power like he does every year. He, and being in the Yankee Stadium is going to help him out for that. Probably, but here's the thing, though. The media is going to get on him when he starts his strikeout routine because he's going to get a bunch of those, too. He's an all-or-nothing guy. Yeah, but you and don't have that your could hopes affect, that. Could affect him, that could affect him mentally. I don't see the He's hopes. never played in a big big market like this. His his problems are now going to become magnified. I, I, I can tell you, I can give you an example. Kevin Love, who plays for the Cleveland Cavaliers, he was an all-star in the West. He played for the Minnesota Timberwolves, and all three of the people who were covering that team noticed that he didn't play defense. They didn't say it much because he was an all-star there because he was just a really good player on a bad team. Yeah. And then he came to Cleveland where there are a few more media people and a lot more eyes on him, and people started saying, hey, you know what? This guy doesn't play defense. And, hey, you know what? He's really not that good. And, well, I and, think it, and it bothered Kevin Love to the point where he really sucked and he didn't want to be here. He sulked a lot. And I'm thinking the same could happen with Chris Carter. Well, I the only difference I see, which is to me a big difference, is that he's not coming in with the huge expectations. I mean, we all know what Chris Carter is, and a fan of the Yankees knows what Chris Carter is. It's not like, you know, you're getting this uh, superstar from another team who was just super good on a crappy team, and now he's coming over here, and you expect him to be super good on your team. We know what to expect from Chris Carter. So the expectations aren't set so high. I don't think that it's going to be so hardcore, but the media is a little bit uh, crazy here. So, you know, there's one player, Liriano, Francisco Liriano. He had a good game the other day, pitched a good game. You had to bring him up, huh? Well, I do because he's number eight on the most added list, okay? And I just, that's questionable, right? So I'm I'm wondering. He killed me last year. He's not very good. So anybody that owned him last year is going to be like, yeah, these people that are picking him up did not own Liriano. And they, because he's average. He's an average pitcher at best. Like he's. You know, his his ERA is going to be between. It's in the high fours. It's probably going to be in the high fours. Um, his whip is not good. And the thing is, is that they have Matt Latos. I'm not saying, you know, I'm a, <laughs> I've always been a fan of Matt Latos. I've given up on the Matt Latos. I'm not on the bandwagon anymore, okay? But I will still say that he, there's an, you know, with Liriano being slotted in as the fifth starter, anything could happen with that when you have a guy that's actually a starter too that can come out of the bullpen and start games. I mean, Matt Latos, we all know that he has talent as a pitcher. If he can hone in on it again, that would be great. Um, so Liriano being picked up is, is quite surprising to me, but not that surprising. Just uh, I wouldn't do it. That makes sense. You know, uh, who's kind of intriguing to me this year is Jarrell Cotton. He seems to be... Uh, an intriguing little character and he's getting drafted around 229 but he's getting picked up a lot he has a, a job lot. at least he has a spot in the rotation i think he's the, he's got at the third spot so his job is in no means um ready to be taken from him and you know oakland has always been good about young pitchers they've always had good talent coming up and i just Terrell cotton I would pick him up way before Liriano, I'll tell you that much. I I like the fact that he has a job, but again, he's a rookie, so it's 
a risky endeavor. It is a risky endeavor, but the thing is, he does have a job. He's in the rotation. Sonny Gray's probably not going to be around for a while. I, they've got a, you know what? They're not trying. They're not in win now mode either. You know, they can wait. They're trying to build, rebuild something over there. So, I don't know. You know, but his ERA was pretty decent. He had five starts last year. In twenty nine innings, he gave up twenty hits, ten runs, seven of them earned, four bombs. That's kind of troubling. And four walks, but 23 strikeouts. So he's not even striking out nine per nine. I don't know. Uh, that's why it intrigues me, because you just don't really know. Yeah. A rookie is a rookie is a rookie, right? Yeah, totally. Um, I don't but really... But he's 24% owned now. He's, he's moved up 6% this past week. Yeah, that's... Well, that's understandable, Totally. Yeah, but is it understandable for our listeners to draft someone like that? Would you no. draft him? No. No, because he's there's too many questions there. You know, there, if you're in a 20 team league, well, okay, maybe you have to. But there are other pitchers out there besides Jarrell Cotton. He'll be on the waiver wire in most of your leagues, I'm sure. I don't know. And if he and if he is, well, if he isn't, then something might not be right. <laughs> I'd, ha- I'd like I said, I'd rather have him over Liriano. Well, I would rather have uh, the Blizzard over Liriano at this point. He, <laughs> between him and Jacob Degrom, they killed me in this industry league I was in last year. They killed me. I, I, it was like a twenty-team league, and those were the two aces I could scrape out of their, out of my draft. And I'm looking at three hundred and forty strikeouts between them two, hopefully, and I didn't get half that, and it was awful. And that's why I don't think Gerald Cotton is going to be the answer either. Um, Who else? James Paxton is uh, getting a lot of uh, attention too. Yeah. Yeah. See, now he's his ADP is like one ninety nine, I think. So, I mean, do you do it? Do you pull the trigger? Do you draft a guy like James Paxton at the end of your at the end of your draft? I, well, the problem is, is that I don't think he's going that late. I think he's moving up the ADP quite quickly, and I, um, I definitely think that he has talent. Although, look, last year he pitched over 100 innings. It was the first time he ever pitched over 100 innings since he came up to the majors in 2013. I mean, he's just—that's a huge. He doubled his innings last year, which, according to Verducci. Uh, that's no good, and he runs a high risk of getting injured this year or being injured because um, you don't just – well, let me look. Maybe l- let me look at his minor league stats because he could have pitched in the minor leagues too. Okay, in 2015, he pitched total uh, 72 innings, 72 innings total. In 2016, he pitched 160 innings total, so more than doubled his innings pitched. And I just don't – I don't trust a guy like that. I just don't – I don't – it, you just never know what's going to happen. He has some decent talent, but batting average again is is not good. I mean, in a place like Seattle, he should be able to. His numbers should look pretty good, you know, because that park is hard for hitters. It should look real good. You know who looks good to a lot of people these days is Lance McCullers. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's had he had arm trouble all last year. He'll be on a innings restriction, I'm sure. So I was making. I don't know about Lance McCullers, but what I do know is that he also has a high upside. He definitely has upside, and um, but he was hurt last year, so we'll see. I mean, I definitely think that by looking at his numbers, it's good. I 
I mentioned him on the show the other day when I did the shows for Lenny on Friday and Thursday. I mentioned him because somebody had brought him up to me and I, I, you know, looked at his numbers and thought, well, I'm already down on this guy, but I haven't really paid a lot of attention to his uh, numbers. And I do think that he definitely has some upside. Whether we're going to see that this year, I'm that's yet to say, but he hasn't had a lot of experience at the major league level in uh, 200 innings, you know, total. So, um, I don't know. We'll have to see about Lance McCullers. I don't draft him because I don't know enough about him, and that's the truth. I totally should know more about him if I'm going to sit here and try to tell people. But I just admit, I don't know enough about him to, like, give my opinion about whether or not he's decent. He's What I do know is that he has a problem with walks. So if he can get his walks down, that'd be great. I don't know yeah, if he's he going to be did. on an innings limit because he pitched he pitched a good amount of innings last year. Or in 2015, he pitched like 160, 150. In 2016, last, he pitched 81 innings. Yeah, he was hurt though, right? He had. Yeah, see, that's the thing. They 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 baby people these days. So who knows what they're going to do? But he has pitched good this spring. He has DL stints last year, shoulder and elbow. So when you're talking yes. about a pitcher and you see a shoulder and an elbow injury in the same year, you got to question that because that's those two <laughs> those two places on your body. That's what pitchers rely on the most between that and their back. I mean, there isn't a worse injury for a pitcher. I mean, Tommy John is a better injury because that means that when they come back from Tommy John, they're actually stronger than they've ever been and the fact that he had no Tommy John and he didn't have any kind of uh, reconstructive surgery I don't think but he just spent some time on the DL so who's to say those those injuries are even fully healed I don't know but he's got a lively fastball like 95 mile an hour plus I'm not a um, fan of I don't care about the I don't care how fast it, the ball goes I, I people put way too much uh into the velocity of the fastball. I mean, if if you're talking about a pitcher that you see his velocity going down, right? That's a, that's right. A, that's not good. But just well, because a guy pitches up. 95 or 100, that means nothing to me. If he has no movement, you could pitch 95 or 100 every single time. If you're pitching it over the plate, you're done. Right. Well, he had 106 strikeouts in 81 innings pitched last season. That's great. And he had 45 walks in 81 innings pitched. That's not bad. Why is his whip so high? 1.54. Cuz he gave up 5 home runs and 29 earned runs. But walks whip is 80 about hits, 80 hits in 81 innings pitched. Your whip doesn't have anything to do with home runs though. It has to do with walks and hits. So people are hitting well, he, him. 80 hits in 81 innings pitched. Oh, he gives up hits. Well, he, he that's hits. not bad. That's yeah, but here's the thing though. He's well then he'll come in and strike out the side. I've seen him do it. I, I've had him. I've used him in DFS several times. He's lively. He's fun to watch. I, I would look for him. He is currently being drafted around. Jeez, uh, where's his ADP? He could okay. definitely be a great sleeper. I mean, I, I absolutely agree that his ADP is super low. Let me check it out here. Two oh eight at ESPN. Okay, let it's me see what NFC says. We got him at NFBC. Going if he's in my later rounds, one seventy. I, I guarantee you, he'll be in my later rounds. He's the forty-second pitcher off the board, which uh, he's right near James Paxton, Sean Manea, John Lackey, Stephen Matz, Marcus Stroman. All of those guys are right there. So, be, because of my ignorance, I would definitely probably take like I would probably 
I owned Manea last year and I liked him. So I might take him. I might take Lackey. But because of my ignorance on McCullers only, not because of the fact that he's a better pitcher. And I would take John Gray over him, no question. I mean, John Gray pitches in Colorado, but John Gray is absolutely one of the better pitchers in baseball. And I so, so, so recommend looking for John Gray late in the draft. There you go, because he'll be there too, because people are afraid of Colorado pitchers. Right. But Lance McCullers... Yeah, I want to watch him pitch a couple more times this spring. I want to see how they stretch him out, how far they stretch him out. Okay. If they get him up to uh, five or six innings pitch and he has no problems, he's good to go. He's your sleeper this year. I, I think. also I, like I, I uh, Vincent like Velasquez there, too. He's going 184. Oh, yes. Now, there's another guy who racked up a lot of strikeouts, especially early in the season. Then he looked like he got a little bit tired. I don't know, but he's a great pitcher. I like John Gray better than all of them, though. Okay. I'm a John there's Gray a lot to lover. Like there. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot to like there in John Gray. He strikes guys out. He's not afraid of pitching Coors. He doesn't seem to get shellacked there either. No, and so, he's, he's rolling with a lineup that's going to score a ton of runs for him. Absolutely. That's the other thing. Pay attention to that. Yeah. Jim Johnson. Yeah. He's been picked up now in 50% of the leagues in ESPN. He's owned more highly than Cam Bedrosian. Well, Cam Bedrosian, uh, he didn't have a solid job going into the season. Well, I think he's got one now. I think he's pitched pretty well. Well, absolutely. His only competition is Andrew Bailey right now because uh, Houston Street was already hurt. So, absolutely, Cam Bedrosian. We'll probably look next week and we'll see Cam Bedrosian at the top of this uh, pickup list. Um, As far as Jim Johnson goes, he's the closer in Atlanta. So... He's not that good, though. I mean, if you are if you have a closer like him, it's bad. I mean, look, you don't have to draft him till way late. You don't have to draft him till super late in drafts. But I don't know. How much do you know about Dylan Bundy? I know that he's uh, somebody to pick up, definitely. I think he's – I'm not surprised to see him on the most picked up side. Um, he was, we expected a ton more out of him as a rookie and it just, it's a, you know, it's a good example of how we put so much into rookies. He didn't come through. I mean, he had Tommy John surgery. He, he had, yeah, he, he had he that barely, a couple years ago. He barely spent any time in the minors. So right. to expect him to do that right off the bat, I mean, people, a lot of people, my point was that, you know, a lot of people forgot about Dylan Bundy because he didn't come out screaming hot, like, we expected him to when we rushed him through the minor leagues. But um, <clears throat> there was a little bit of concern last year because his velocity was going down, like, towards the end of the season. He, uh, But it came back up in September. So I absolutely think he's good against lefties and righties, and he's got a great curveball. I definitely think that uh, he's got more upside. He's got a ceiling that he hasn't reached yet. So um, he's, he's still in the top 100. But he's definitely showing now what he was expected to show three years ago. So absolutely understand why he's sitting up there, the, you know, one of the top most picked up people. Yeah, I like Bundy, and Baltimore has an, I would call it an iffy rotation. If he could, and I think he, he can get in there. Yes, he's, in the, he's definitely in the rotation. I think he's the, I mean, literally, I think he's like the second or third in the rotation. Well, that tells you all you need to hear about <laughs> The Baltimore Orioles rotation. If he doesn't give up so many home runs, that'd be great. He's had two games where he's pitched well this spring and one that he hasn't. 
and I don't think that that should matter. You're going to pick him up. You're going to get ten to twelve wins. More than that. Maybe you're going to get. You're going. He's going to give up a few home runs. He's going to strike out a few more, and he's going to walk a few less. And you know what? You can't ask for much more than that in the late rounds of your draft, like around 226 at ESPN. Yeah, that's pretty late. I agree. He's a good uh, fifth starter for your rotation in fantasy. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, this has been a great hour. As it always, always is, dude. Friend. Always. I'll see always. you next week. Yeah, we got a lot of listeners. We want to thank you all for taking the time to listen. Yeah. For Andrea Lamont, I'm Phil Nasons. We want to thank you for listening to Nothing But Fantasy. Bye, bye, no, 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 no.